Well, if you've been watching the news at all this week, you may have come across a couple people having passionate, opinionated conversations about a TV show and a character on a TV show who, um, uh, who made some comments. The show is Duck Dynasty, and uh, some people have some very strong um, opinions about uh, what should or shouldn't happen to him and what should and shouldn't happen with the network. And, and as I watched all of these people so passionately opinionating at each other, um, I was so struck by the contrast between those conversations and the conversations that I've been having with you this week. Um, here are some of the conversations I've been having with some people at ECC this week. Hey, I wasn't able to drop off that gift that I want to give those kids um, for ACE. Uh, could I still drop that off at the office? That was one of my conversations that I had this week. And I heard an, had another conversation with somebody else, and they said, hey, I hear you're taking people to camp, some teens to camp, and we would love to help with that. If there's any kids who can't go to camp, could, could we help make that possible? That was another conversation I had this week. And I had a conversation with, with, with one of the team members who came back from Juarez. Eyes just bright. You know. how, can, how can we get more people to experience this firsthand? That was a conversation I had. And, and I've had a number of conversations with people who have said, you know, I know that finances are tight with a lot of families this Christmas. And is there anything I can do to help anonymously some of those families? That was another conversation. Um, it is not uncommon for pastors when, when something happens in culture, when there's a cultural conversation. I can't call it a conversation, can I? No. When there's fireworks going on in, in the culture, it is, it is often, often pastors will get these emails that say, hey, if you're really a Christian church, then you will boycott Duck Dynasty. Or if you really are a Christian church, you're going to boycott A&E. I didn't get any of those. I didn't get any of those this week. None of them. And, and here's the thing. Hear me clearly on this. My point is not that we shouldn't be engaging in conversations in our culture. That is not my point at all. That is not it. My point is that we have a group of people here that God's assembled who try not to just jump in and opinionate on things, but, but try instead to say, God, how can I engage in respectful dialogue? How can I respect, engage in thoughtful conversation? And I am so excited to be a part of a group like that. And the fact that this um, debate has been happening and, and so many folks, including myself sometimes, are not sure how to proceed. What I want to do this year, um, right in pretty much in the start of the new year, in, in February, we're going to take several weeks and we're going to do a series about judging. You know, how, how as Christians, how do we speak into things? When should Christians just keep their mouth shut? You know, when should we just not say anything? When should Christians speak out? How should we respond or should we respond to our Christian brothers and sisters differently than we respond to people who don't profess the Christian faith? Should it be the same or should it be different? Um, should, should we have conversations that are private instead of public? When should we have public conversations? How much information should we gather before we start expressing opinions? I want to have, I want to go to the scriptures this year, and we'll do that starting in February. Um, we'll go to the scriptures together and look at responding to not just this, but responding when these things come up. So we'll get there. But today we have some unfinished business. 
right? We, have, we, we started a series, and I'd like to, to finish it today, if that's all right. Okay, all right, let's do that. Um, today we have some unfinished business with the Grinch. If you weren't joining us, we have a series that we started three weeks ago called Degrinching Christmas. Here's part four of four. Almost everyone in America is familiar with the story that served as the backdrop for this series. Although it was fun today, we have a woman who's whose um, parents, she's a first-generation immigrant from China. And so she's like, okay, this sermon made no sense today. So she, she, she sat down. I loved it. I, I loved it. She sat down, and she was reading the book here today to get to, oh, okay, now I see what we're talking about. But most people in America are familiar with this story, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Most of us are familiar with Dr. Seuss's classic tale, you know, where under the cover of darkness, there was this character called the Grinch, and he infiltrated the homes of every who down in Whoville. And while the unsuspecting Who's lay a snooze in their town, the Grinch packed up their presents and ribbons and wrappings and tags and tinsel and trimmings and trappings. He even slunk to the icebox and took the Who's feast. He took the Who pudding. He took the roast beast. He cleaned out each icebox as quick as a flash Why the Grinch even took their last can of what? Who hash. Many of you know the story. At a quarter past dawn, with a who's still abed, with a who's all his snooze, he packed up his sled, and 3,000 feet up the side of Mount Crumpet, he rode with his load to the tip top to dump it. So he gets up to the top of Mount Crumpet, and he puts that ear, because what does he want to hear? He wants to hear the boo-hoos of the who's, right? He wants to hear the crying and the weeping and the gnashing of teeth, because I just stole Christmas. But what did he hear? He heard singing. He heard that song that no one knows the words to. Blah, 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 blah. Welcome Christmas. You know, and so, yes, that song. But all the who's knew it, and they were all joined together. Everything had been stolen from their house, and they're singing this song, Welcoming Christmas. As campy as this sounds, I would encourage you to think about what we're going to put on the screen here. The Grinch couldn't steal what the who's had, could he? The Grinch could not steal what the who's had. There's a place to write that in your notes, and I want to apologize about throwing in an apostrophe by accident. Once Becca and uh, Emmy get on staff, we'll have no more typos in our bulletin ever, right? Because they're all on me, but they're, they're, they're going to fix that all up. All right, well, as I was reading through Dr. Seuss's book this week, I noticed something for the first time. This was interesting. Um, he, he's got two different pages where the Who's all in Whoville sing that song that no one knows the words to. Here's one, okay? This is one. And what I noticed for the first time this week is that when they sing the song after they've had everything stolen, it's the exact same picture, just with a different backdrop. Here, on this picture, this is a Christmas gone by. This is a Christmas when there's who hash in the fridge or wherever you put who hash. There's who hash on the table, okay? And there's toys under the tree and, and all of that stuff is there and it's Christmas in their, as, as it should be in their minds and what do they do Christmas morning? They welcome Christmas. And then after the Grinch robbed them, after they wake up, their house has been burglarized, there's no feast left, no who pudding, which might be the equivalent of who lefts or, or, or no who lutefisk. So it might be a good thing. I don't know. But uh, there's the emails. Now I'm going to no Duck Dynasty emails. I'm going to get lutefisk emails. All right. This, this is why I write things down. I didn't write that down. All right. But here's my point, okay? After, after everything has been stolen, after they've been robbed and after their food's been taken away, 
they can still gather, they can still sing. Well, I lost my page, but you know what I'm trying to say, right? And, and I was thinking about this, you know, if I would have been further ahead of things, I could have had Mike, our graphics guy, make a little postcard. You know those postcards that say, wish you were here, right? I bet the Who's, if they could send a postcard at Christmas, they'd say, wish you were here. We wish you could experience this regardless of the circumstance you find yourself in. Wouldn't that be a good Who Christmas card? You know, we wish you, the Who's might be thinking, we wish that your contentment wasn't linked so closely to getting the things that you want. We wish that your security wasn't linked so closely to having lots of money in the bank or who roast beast in your fridge. We wish, wish that your emotions weren't linked so closely to the circumstances you find yourself in. We wish you weren't so stressed out. We wish, wish you weren't so maxed out. We wish that your life had lots of replenishment built in so that when you got drained, you got filled back up. And when you got bumped, it was peace and joy that spilled out instead of horn-blowing and anxiousness. We wish you were able to give freely and joyfully and generously instead of just being so stressed financially. Well, for the last three weeks, we've done the best we could to present a picture of life in Whoville. This is what life could be like if, if, if we received this life that God invites us into. It could be more like that. So what we want to do with our last day of this series, and why it's so important, is we want to say, how do you get to Whoville? If your life isn't Whoville, how do you get from where you are to where they were? So let's look at that today. And if you have your Bible, the passage we're going to look at is 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And we're going to stay right here in this passage for the most part today. So if you have your Bibles, it'd be worth your time to open them up or click them on to this, um, this section of Scripture. And I want to, as we're opening up our Bibles, I want to say a couple of things. One, I want to let you know that if you don't have a Bible at home, we'd love to give you one free today. Um, we keep a stack of them here uh, on either side of the, the room on those tables. They're there for you. So please just take one. It's a gift from us to you. Um, a couple other things I want to say in case you're not familiar with the Bible is the Bible itself is a collection of ancient documents. It's not one work by one author um, from start to finish. It's a collection of multiple ancient documents from different time periods, different places, different authors. And this one that we're going to look at today called 1 John, it's an ancient letter. And this is old, and there's collaborating evidence that shows how old it is. This document is quoted in other ancient documents that have been dated as early as AD 100. So they were quoting in AD 100 this letter. So that dates this letter within 50 or 60 years of Jesus. So this is an old document, and this document, all of the people who quoted from it and all the people who testified to its author say that the author was a man named John. The John, if you're familiar with the Bible, who was a disciple of Jesus. The John that had a brother named James. The John that had a father named Zebedee. The John that wrote what's called the Gospel of John and 2 John, 3 John, and the book of Revelation. That same person. And during Jesus' life, John was a part of Jesus' innermost circle. John, or at Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus asked John to look after his mother. John witnessed the empty term, tomb on the first Easter morning and even ate breakfast with Jesus after the resurrection. So John was writing of things that he heard with his own ears. He's writing of things that he saw with his own eyes. He's writing about things that he touched with his own hands. John is a credible and well-vetted witness. However, 
He is hard for me to understand. This, this book in particular, this letter of his, is hard for more, I'm more of a linear thinker. And I like Matthew when he writes because it's organized. And John just seems to go all over the place. And at first I'm like, is this just me? But I'm glad there's others that don't. My ESV study Bible, this is how they describe um, how 1 John is written. They say the rhetoric of 1 John is challenging. John rarely sustains a clear line of argument for more than a few lines or verses. He wanders from subject to subject. I love this next phrase. John is unencumbered by any discernible outline. You ever have a teacher write that on your paper? (laughs) You appear unencumbered by any discernible outline. Yet, if John has no plan, he does follow a pattern, and we're going to see this pattern. He leaves a subject and then returns to it. His language is for the most part simple, his vocabulary modest, but line for line, there are few biblical writings that surpass 1 John in both the imposing demands made on the reader along with the rich rewards that studied interpretation will yield. You know, as you, as you, oh, I just closed the book. I told you not to close. Um, as, as you read 1 John, you, you'll see this, that he, he will take a thought and then he'll repeat that thought. And you think, he's he just repeating the thought? But then you realize, no, he's, he's taking something different with it. He's, he's adding a variation. And then he returns to it again with a variation on the variation. And so it gets kind of mixed together. So we'll see if we can unpack it here. We'll see if we can unpack it as we dig in. All right, enough about it. Let's read it. First John chapter 5. Let's start with verses 1 and 2. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. Now, I got lost. I had to read that one about 12 times to figure out, did he really mean that? Is there a typo in my Bible? But this is what it says. And let's just break this down. Let's start with this very first phrase. Can we go back just one second? Thanks, story. See where it says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. You see where it says has been? All right. I I purposely chose today a a translation of the scriptures that's more literal. Because some of them don't have the past tense in there, but this is more literal. And here it is, past tense. Everyone who believes that Jesus has been born of God. Now, that might get a little confusing because if you're reading some of other John's works, he seems to say that we have, um, well, let me just, let me put what I have on the slide. See if we can explain. If you were reading earlier, if we can go to the next slide. There we go. All right. If you were to read earlier and you read his gospel, John chapter 1, verse 12, he says this, To all who received him, to all who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So there it looks like if you respond to God in faith, then you're born again. You respond, then you're born again. So there it looks like faith is a condition of the new birth. Well, what we just read appears that faith isn't a condition, it's a sign. What we just read is past tense. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. So is faith a condition of the new birth, or is faith a sign of the new birth? If you're familiar with the theological debates, this is election free will. You, you see both of them in play here. And, and, and that's one of the things you, you see a lot with John. You know, he, 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 he presents these things that seem to contradict each other, but he presents them more as a both and rather than either or. Do we choose God or does God choose us? John doesn't see these as mutually exclusive categories. For John, it appears to be a both and. Grace and response, two sides of the same coin. So already we see there's a lot in here that, that, that is 
that we're going to keep trying to unpack. And this is actually related to moving to Whoville. So kind of just put that aside right now. Let's unpack a little bit more, then we'll try to piece this back together. At least that's how my brain works. I have to unweave things that are all woven together before I can make sense of them. All right, let's look at three more theological concepts that John weaves together just in that little passage we looked at. So back to original text, text, 1 John 5, 1 through 2. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. Now, in this section, John not only weaves together this concept of election and free will, but he weaves three concepts all together. He weaves loving our Christian brothers and sisters. He weaves that with obeying God's commandments. And he weaves those two things with having a sincere faith. For John, these aren't things you can just separate out. You can't say, I believe in God, I love God, but I don't love people. You can't do that. It's all connected. If you have a sincere faith, all of this is together. You also can't say, I love God, but I'm going to pick and choose which of his commandments I follow. You don't do that. If you love God, you obey his commandments. If you love God, you love people. If you, if you have a sincere faith, all of these things are true. Where does it come from? Do you have it first, and then you're born again, or are you born again, and then you have it? It's, it's all of this stuff wo- woven together. But all of this stuff sets it up. Now, here's something clearer that I can grab onto anyway. All that sets up for what comes next. So let's go back to the text here. 1 John chapter 5. Now let's move on to verses 3 and 4. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. All right. Let me see if I can now try to untangle this. At least this is what started to happen in my mind. And truth be told, I didn't come into this text going, oh, look at all these great things that we're going to untangle. I got into this text, and I'm like, oh, here's an unrelated concept for another time. You know, the sovereignty, free will, that's another topic for another time. Oh, loving our neighbors ourselves, that's another topic for another time. We'll put that on hold. You know, I just wanted to get right to this, not burdensome. And I realized, no, all this works together. John says, if you love God, you'll keep his commandments. And he says, his commandments aren't burdensome. Okay, that makes sense to me. At least this part makes sense to me. So let's start here. If you love God, there should be an act of the will that says, if I love God, I'm going to keep his commandments. If I believe in God, if I believe he's true, if I believe he's the sovereign, almighty king of kings and lord of lords, I should do what he says. That makes sense to me. That if a person says, I love God, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but they don't follow Jesus, they don't obey God's commandments, anyone else see a problem with that? I see a problem with that. So there should be an act of will. If you're a follower of God, you should say, okay, I am deliberately, I want to follow him. I'm, when, what you say, I'll do. Where you lead, I'll follow. An act of the will. We tracking so far? All right. So a commandment keeper. But here's the thing. In John, it says his commandments aren't burdensome. How many of you know that if your faith is just an act of the will, it can be very burdensome? If, if your faith is just, I'm going to do what God says, that can get really heavy really fast. It can get really heavy really fast because you're like, oh, I'm always disappointing him. It can get heavy really fast because why are you asking me to deny 
impulses and things that I want to do? Why are you asking me to do things that no one else is doing? Why should I be the one to love my enemy? Why should I be the one to abstain from this, that, or the other thing? You know, why? It can feel real burdensome. And if left unchecked, it can add... We keep coming back to the, the elder in the story of the, of the two lost sons. The elder brother who was diligent. He was a commandment keeper. He was also no fun at parties. Right? It can feel real burdensome. So this isn't enough. And if your faith is just religion, if it's just, I'm an act of the will, I'm going to do what God says to be a good Christian, it's going to feel burdensome. So there should be more. And in John's text, we have more than that. It, John talks so much about the love of God. And we're going to look at some of those passages here. It's it's applied in the section we just looked at, but it's all throughout 1 John and and all of his writing. This helps a lot. If you move beyond just, I'm going to have an act of will, I'm going to follow him, to stop and take a step back and say, why did he say what he said? Are you going to choose to trust him? That if, if God is who the Bible says he is, and he sent his son to die in our place, He's a God that isn't just asking us to do things for the sake of doing them. He's a God who has our best interest in mind. He's a God who who cares about people. He cares about this world. So if he's asking me to do something, it's either for my benefit or the benefit of somebody else. There's a reason behind it. Life experience helps with this a lot. Because I think of all the things in junior high, senior high, that I'm like, oh, God, you say no to all the fun stuff. Oh, he saved me from lot of bad decisions. It wasn't him saying no to things that are fun. It was him protecting, protecting me, protecting my relationships, protecting my future, and helping others. So do you see how this gets us a little closer here? You know, act of the will. Yep, we have to do that. Be a commandment keeper. Trusting God, all of a sudden his commandments don't feel quite as burdensome. But they still can feel like a burden because you can still feel alone here. And that's why John, in his inspiration from the Holy Spirit, he included covenant community in his discussion. And that's not be join a covenant church, just all the fan club people. Um, of Oli, it's not like, aha, now, here's the punchline. What was I talking about? Covenant community. No, it not... What, what we mean by that, I love the word covenant. The covenant, it's an agreement. It is, it's, you are in this together is what covenant means. And... and all of that stuff that, that John wraps together about, if you love me, you love my people. He, he, you can't separate that. And not only can you not separate that, that's how your burden gets lighter too. Because burdens are always heavier when you carry them alone, right? What if you have people in your life who are praying for you by name and by need? What if you have people, and you can go, and the Bible talks about confessing sins with one another. What if you have safe people in your life where you can say, okay, this burden of guilt and shame I've got, i got to get it out. And someone to look in your eye and say, do you know, you've been forgiven of that. Let's help you experience and walk in victory of that. And, and, and to have people who, think about this, who, who are the people at your church, wherever your church is, who are the people at your church where if you lost everything worldly, who could you move in with? Who would gladly take you in? And who would you gladly take in? Who are those people in your life? Who are they that you're covenanting together with? You say, together, we're going to go and we're going to try to get every kid at that home sponsored. We're going to try to get toys for every kid in ACE. Who are those people that you're joining with to say, hey, let's help look out for each other's kids. Let's help look out for each other's widows. Let's help look out for each other. Do you see how this burden gets lighter and lighter when you are a part of a community like that? 
So if it's just an act of the will, if it's just all choice, no sovereignty of God, nothing else, it can be really heavy. Trusting God helps a bit because you realize the good news of the gospel. He loved us. He's looking out for us. He's on our side. Covenant community, I'm not in this alone, but there's one more piece that's woven all throughout John's writings, and that is the Holy Spirit. And it's woven. You can't separate it all out. The Holy Spirit is, is, seems to flow and reside more when you're trying to make your body a temple of the Holy Spirit by being obedient. But there's also this piece where you can't even be obedient if the Holy Spirit's not active in your life. And as you begin to, to see all these parts in play, all of a sudden now the burden becomes less and less burdensome. And it can even be a joy to be persecuted because you realize there's purpose in this somehow, or at the very least, God can use this for his purposes. And all of a sudden, those burdens don't feel heavy because you're a part of something. I'm accomplishing something. And then it's not burdensome because God's actually giving you the strength at different times. Many of you have had that experience where you're like, this wasn't me. I had a peace that passed all understanding. I should have been broken. I should have been destroyed. I should have been hopeless. I didn't feel that way. And many of you have had that experience when people have been praying for you, right? I mean, just... You see how they're all related to one another. Keep his commands. His commands don't have to be burdensome if we're living in Whoville. So let's spend the last couple minutes talking about that move. Because I, I would imagine if you believe the Bible is true, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you don't disagree with this, but you might be thinking, yeah, that doesn't describe my life. My life doesn't sound victorious, right? My life doesn't doesn't sound like I've overcome, like they say. Uh, you know what? Let me give one more verse here. Again, I'm glad I take notes because I would have forgot this really important passage here. Let's look at um, John, First John chapter 5. Let's go to verses 4 and 5 uh, real quick before we get into that. Oh, should we do this one too? Do I skip that one as well? I skip, of course I did. All right. This is really important. I should have talked about this way back down here. Trusting God. There's a reason I... T- All right, okay. Um, this section we've been looking at, <laughs> if you're listening online, just click it off now. And <laughs> yeah. oh, Okay, this is really important. Glad- Dory, you're the best. Thanks for getting it up on the screen. All right, the section we've been looking at, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Most of the commentaries I looked at didn't say it started there. This section doesn't, like a new section doesn't start at 5-1. They said this section you're reading for actually starts here, John 4 Seven, And it starts this whole section on, on obedience and keeping his commandments. And his commandments are burdensome. It starts here. It starts with beloved. Beloved. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love, they don't know God. Because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world. So that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You see how that ties in with this trusting God piece? I mean, we can trust him because he loves like that. When John says beloved, it's not just John saying beloved. It's God saying beloved to you. You're beloved. You can trust him. He has his best interest in mind. Now I'm kind of getting like John. I'm weaving things all in and out. Oh, actually, this was all on purpose. I was just... (laughs) No, it wasn't. Okay, so we've got these pieces. Now let's talk about this idea of victory. So can we go to the slide... Story that has 1 John 5, 5, there we go. And this is the victory 
that has overcome the world. You see what it says here? It says our faith. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, it's interesting that word faith there is a noun. In, in the original language, it's a noun. And it's the only time that I could find where John uses faith as a noun. He uses the word believe about a hundred times, but believe is an action word. Believe is a, is a, I don't just have a set of doctrines in my head. I'm putting my faith in something. It's the difference between I believe that that chair could hold me up and this. I believe the chair can hold me up. I'm willing to put my faith into it, into action. I'm showing my belief by what I do. Okay, so then... Now let's come back to this and let's talk about how do we get there. If we believe these principles, if we want to experience this life, if we want to get to a place where we're, we're keeping God's good commandments and they're no longer burdensome, let's talk about moving. And, and we can do this because how many of you have moved before? Hands? How many? All right, you've moved before. You know what it, it takes, right? And so often we distance practical, common sense knowledge and, and spiritual things. They, they work together. If you want to move, if you're, if you're not experiencing victorious life in Christ, if you're not experiencing the not burdensome part of what God's doing, make a move. Here's a checklist. I checked, and in your notes, if you want to take a look, let's pull them out here. In your notes, you'll see there's some empty boxes here. I'd like you to physically check the boxes that you've done, and let's see what your New Year's resolution list looks like by what's left unchecked, all right? If you want to move to Whoville, this only applies to you if you want this. But if you want to move to Whoville, first step, count the cost. Count the cost. If you're going to move, you can't take everything with you, can you? You can't. There's some things by law that you can't take with you. There are some things by practical sense that you can't take with you. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you want to move to Whoville, if you want to say, I'm all in, I want to experience this, not burdensome, keeping God's good commands, there's some things that can't come with you, and you can't pick and choose. There's some things that God says, I'll absolutely take this with you. There are other things that you can't. There's some values that come with. There's some values that don't. There are some behaviors that can. There are some behaviors that don't. Are you willing to say, this is a first step, and it's first on the list. This is the first step. Jesus himself called people out on this. He says, if you build a tower, you count the cost. Come on. If you want to be my disciple, count the cost. It'll cost you everything. Are you willing to pay that price? To say, God, wherever you lead, I'll follow. Whatever you say, I'll do. There's the first step. Have you taken that step? If not, we'd love to talk to you, pray with you about that. Maybe, maybe there's some things you need to sort through. Let us know. We'd love to talk to you about that. All right, next one. Sign the contract. If you're going to move, if you're purchasing a property, you sign something, right? You make a public direct declaration. I am in a covenant. I will pay this amount. I will, I, I'm, I'm in. People can look it up and find out. Are you in on this agreement or not? Are, are, have you done it? Have you ever done that with God? Have you ever made a public declaration of your faith, a sincere one? For some of you, it might have been your baptism. Yep. At that day, I said, I'm in. Some of you, it might have been your confirmation. Yep, I'm in. For some of you, that was just going through the motions. If you've never made a sincere proclamation of faith, let's talk. Let's set it up. Let's give you an opportunity in a meaningful way to make a public direction, declaration of your faith. So if, if you haven't done either of those things, those are your first two steps. Number three, ask for help with the what? Heavy lifting. How many of you have ever moved and had something that you needed help lifting? <laughs> All right? In your faith, you will have things. If you want to fully move, fully to this place where it's not burdensome, you're going to need some help. There's an addiction maybe that you need help with. 
to experience victorious Christian life. There might be some challenges, intellectual challenges. I, I struggle with what it says here in the Bible, or how do I even know the Bible is true? There might be some heavy lifting that you need. There might be some teaching, some instruction, some mentoring, some coaching. How do I do this? How do I even read my Bible? How do I pray? How do I worship? How do I, how do I serve? You know, we would love to have those conversations with you. Let us know. How can we help with the heavy lifting? Next one. Get directions. And then what did I underline and put in caps? Follow them. There are some people I don't even want to talk to anymore. Because I, they, hey, pastor, what should I do about this? Well, here's what you should do. It's real obvious. Sometimes it's obvious, other times it's not. But, and then they don't do it. And then they come back. You know, Relationships are the one that just all the time you see that. You know, this guy is horrible, he's horrible, he's horrible. Well, break it off. Pastor, this guy is really horrible. He... Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Follow them. They're, they, whatever the thing is, you know, there's all kinds of different things. Uh, follow them. Now, you might need help. You might need to go back to step two because it might be really heavy lifting. Debt. I'm in debt. It's horrible. Okay. Get a budget together. Go through the Dave Rams class, whatever, you know. You might need help with the heavy lifting, but you got to follow them. There's this guy, Graham Cook. I've heard him speak before, a great speaker. And he, he said, you know, people come up to him because he's a prophetic kind of guy. And they'll say, um, hey, do you have a word for me, a word from the Lord? And Graham Cook will say, well, has God ever spoken to you before? Have you ever sensed God was telling you to do something? And they'll say, most people say yes. Most people have had some point in their life where they felt like God was impressing something upon them. And then he says, well, did you do it? And they'll say No. <laughs> And then he says, well, you go do the thing that God told you to do, and then maybe God will start speaking to you again. You know, do you follow them? And again, I don't want to make that simple because I know a lot of these things are hard. That's why heavy lifting is in there too. But get directions and then follow them. And then the next one, recalibrate as necessary. If you, you ever follow those GPS when you're trying to get from one place to another, right? Recalibrating, recalibrating. And sometimes it's like, well, of course you're recalibrating because this road ends right there. It just, you know, Highway 10 no longer goes through 96, you know. So recalibrating. You in the Christian life will need to recalibrate all the time. All the time you'll need to. You, you need to recalibrate. And so if you hit a plateau, I'm not growing. I'm not growing. I'm not growing. Something needs maybe to be different. Maybe it's not I just need to read my Bible harder. Maybe it's... You need to get in a group and discuss things. Or maybe it's instead of reading it like a long book, maybe meditate on, on the passages or maybe get outside or maybe listen to music. You know, what is it? There might be some recalibration that needs to happen. Next one, celebrate milestones along the way. This is so important. Celebrate those milestones. Because you know the Grinch, he's really good at what he does. The Grinch is really good at what he does. And often what the Grinch will do is he'll, when you start making progress in your life, He'll keep pointing you towards how far you have yet to go. Won't he do that? Instead of, look at this, you've made progress. You know, if you're a person that struggles with wanting nice things too much, I'll speak for myself. I'm a person who struggles with wanting nice things too much. And I'm so tempted to be like, why am I not totally victorious on this yet? I feel so bad because I'm like, I know, I've got friends who have nothing, you know? And, and, I'm, and, and why, why do I even want to have one more piece of clothing or one more thing from REI or whatever? You know, why do I even want that? Why am I not here fully yet? The Grinch loves to have you focus on that instead of looking back and go, wait a minute. I'm actually asking that question now. 
do I need this? Wait a minute. I'm actually satisfied with fewer things than I was before. Wait a minute. Now I recognize, in my head at least, I won't be happier if I have that thing. You know, whatever it is, if you are struggling in a relationship, to be able to go, wait a minute, I'm at a healthier place than I was. If you're struggling with addiction, to go, wait a minute, it's been a lot longer since the last time I slept. Or, or what, to look back and go, God is at work. Look, these things are happening. There's progress in my life. I want to celebrate those milestones along the way. And then the last one, become part of the community. The whole point of moving to Whoville is to be with other Who's, right? And I, I love it. One guy once said, he, when we were, we were in something, he said, don't buy a house. He said, buy a neighborhood. I thought that was great advice. Don't buy a house, buy a neighborhood. Don't try to go this alone. Become part of the community of God's people. That's a, so much about not making it burdensome. So I can't check boxes for you. I can't tell you what should be checked or unchecked. And I know Christianity isn't as simple as a you know, five-step process, but these aren't so much steps as much as they are areas of focus. So I would encourage you, 2014, you want to get closer to Whoville? Here, here's, some, here's some starting points, all right? Let's close in prayer. And, and if you could all stand, please. We'll close. We're going to pray a blessing over you. And then when I say amen, if you could help us out with something. For Christmas Eve service, we're actually going to be facing that way, the back of the room. So on your way out, if you could just take your chair, they're going to let us leave it set up between now and Tuesday. So you could help us a ton by just taking your chair, turn it 180, and when you come in, you'll actually come in those doors around the back and in. Um, it's going to be pretty cool. So just, yeah. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God who loves to bless us. That you're a God who wants to help us experience a way that is so different than the way of the world. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us good instructions and good commands. And we pray now, Father, that you'll help us to get to a place where they're not burdensome. Help us to make that deliberate decision to follow you. Help us, Lord, to then remember that you died for us, that you didn't spare anything for us, and that you, your commands, your instructions are for our good and for the good of this world. Lord, we pray that you'll, you'll help us to, to take the courage to step deeper into community, to find these brothers and sisters in Christ that help carry our burdens and, and people that we can help carry burdens for. And Father, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, and we invite your Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives, changing us, giving us power that we didn't have, filling us with your, with your strength and your, your insight and your wisdom and courage and all these things. Lord, I pray that you'll bless us also with conviction in these areas where we're, we're just not being obedient or just not being wise. Lord, would you, would you help us? Would you help us to identify them and then point us towards next steps? So, Lord, thank you for blessing us. And we welcome you this Christmas. We welcome you into our world. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great Merry Christmas. See some of you on Tuesday.